Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at The Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright. Proper noun? Verb. Today we are talking about Minute 114, which begins with Thor taking flight and ends with a lightning-induced explosion at the space hole. We are again, this is another... um, uh, episode in honor of Dr. Arnold T. Blumberg, who was unable to join us. Uh, we would love to have chatted with him, but unfortunately, alas, schedules got uh, screwy, and so here we are. Um, so, Arnold, we love you. We miss you. We'll talk with you down the road. For sure. Minute 114. Everybody is in action at this point, Pete. Uh, you know, Thor yeah. uh, or Iron Man has already picked up um, Hawkeye, giving him a wedgie as he took him to the top of the building. And now Cap is kind of giving everybody actions. This is where he tells Thor to uh, light the bastards up. That's kind of where we left off last time. Last time. He takes off. Well, it's turds up, right? He lit the bastards up yeah, last we get time. Today up. it's the turds. <laughs> it's turds up. It's turds up. Turds up minute is what, <laughs> where we are. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, he gives uh, Natasha the really exciting uh, what they're going to be doing. We're staying on the ground, so we're not going yeah. anywhere. Keep the fight here. Okay. Keep the fight. Yep. She, yep. she could be a little more like snooze-induced, like, seriously? Whatever, dude. No <laughs> one's going to fly me somewhere okay. fun. Right. I have to stay here. <laughs> I have to get up there myself. Like, everyone else gets all these great <laughs> tours around the city, and I don't leave this spot ever. <laughs> <laughs> when you put it that way, ugh, what a <laughs> right? gross part. <laughs> yeah. And then, okay, we have talked a lot about Hulk and his reactions and his cognitive abilities when he hulks out. And this is this point. You know, we we had uh, a couple minutes ago, of course, the whole, um, that's my secret, I'm always angry. And he mm-hmm. chooses to become the monster and to go and fight. And clearly, as we see here, is listening and thinking. How do you, like, did we basically lose the monster version of Hulk that we enjoyed at the beginning? Like, once he fell out of the helicarrier, that was pretty much the end of that Hulk. And we've already shifted into the, the Hulk that we need to actually be a superhero and on our way to Professor Hulk. Yeah, and I think, you know, since we started, I'll just, I'm going to take ownership of that. Since I started complaining about this, the fact that I like the (laughs) earlier Hulk, I just, I want to make sure it's clear that we're judging the MCU version of Hulk. I am not a Hulk comic completionist, and you made the point, like, this is what they did with the comic too, and I'm absolutely... I'm down with that. Like, let let the comic be the comic. What I'm talking about is this sudden, it feels like in this movie, this sudden shift from maniac Jekyll and Hyde Hulk that is interesting and compelling and complex to, oh, guy whose superpower is turning green, but is still an agent of, you know, good, right? Maybe chaotic good, but good. Not uncertainty, right? And... That's the thing that I think you're absolutely right. I think the last minute I'm always angry is the the transition point. Like, that's the fulcrum on which Hulk's character rotates about. And here we are. He is now an agent of the Avengers. Like, a sentient agent of the Avengers. And 
I I don't care for this Hulk as much. I still love the way uh, Mark Ruffalo plays him, but I do think you're right. This is now we see him fighting for good. Yeah, and I I guess inevitably it was going to have to come to this. I don't think it's. I think it was. Yeah, it's it's just the nature of it, and I am curious, you know, if they do try to figure out a point down the road where they're going to do Planet Hulk or something else. Uh, You know, there's obviously a lot of talk about bringing Red Hulk in. You know, where are they going to go with this character and his kind of whole line and his arc? And uh, how how is he going to be integrated? And it would be interesting to see what they do. But I guess at this point, we just have to kind of shift into this Hulk and, you know, the Natasha bashing scary Hulk that we had was really just you know, a scene. And that's really all we get. A beat. Yeah. Yeah. It was a scene. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. We're, we're dancing around the risks of Hulk, but what, yeah, I mean the, the minute itself, like once you get, once you get past our intellectual challenges with who this Hulk is, it's a really good minute in terms of Hulk smashing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We're still right at the two buildings right across from Grand Central Terminal at the viaduct where, again, where <laughs> Natasha never leaves. Uh, this, So uh, just kind of going into exploring this, I was kind of watching what Hulk does. And, you know, again, I uh, never having gone to New York City, I just saw buildings and smashing and, you know, fighting and all this sort of stuff over the course of this whole battle. As I've been watching this and trying to figure out what's going on, I'm getting a better handle on everything. And what I think is funny about what Hulk does here is, you know, we're we're at these two buildings here. He jumps up the side of one, and it's it's the one where, you know, Hawkeye is on the top of this building at this point. So so Hulk jumps up, he grabs a Chitari here, and then he leaps across to the other building with the Chitari in hand, smashes him into the other building. There's another Chitari next to him. He takes that one out, and then he takes the Chitari that he's still holding from that other building, he swings it around and hits this other Chitari with that Chitari. And then he tosses him, kind of a casual slash aggressive, behind him. Then he takes this second <laughs> Chitari, <laughs> smashes him again. And this it's an interesting building right here. This is... Um, 125 Park Avenue. It's got, um, I, I don't know how you would describe it, but it's almost like the building, it goes up a certain number of floors, and then there's like a, a pocket within the building where it continues on the outside edges, but like the inside edge kind of goes in, and there's a, I don't know, if it's like a courtyard sort of thing there on like yeah, a, yeah. the 10th floor or something like, like that. Like a mid-level, mid-level right. courtyard terrace. Exactly. And yeah. so I always thought he was jumping to a different building again, but he's actually just jumping across to the other arm of this building where he tosses this, uh, this Chitari yeah. in through a window. And then right. he jumps off. But it's... There's, there's there's a lot of fun stuff here. But also, I was just laughing about the whole thing because, I mean, the Chitari, sure, they're scaling down the building. But I can't imagine that they're making handholds, footholds, wherever you go. And just the idea of figuring out how to repair all of these holes in these buildings where yeah. Hulk is around, it just seems like he is just the most destructive person here. How does that? This is uh, going to be an unfair question, but I, how do you think the animation of Hulk in full smash mode has like evolved to your eye given the hulk movies we've seen and what we see in hulk to come for example in in she hulk right this version of ruffalo hulk does this this is a good example of hulk in action and i'm i'm wondering how 
and and maybe it's because I just listened to a podcast about uh, the Today Explained episode about uh, why Marvel movies look so bad and the challenges the VFX artists are having where they interviewed some VFX artists. I'm wondering how this one, this sort of time stamped in history, you know, 10 years ago, hits you for Hulk and his feeling of presence and weight in the universe. I mean, I think it works. I guess I, uh, I'm i trying to remember much in the way of smashing that we get in a cityscape after this. Is there, I, I guess there's obviously some stuff going on in in Africa when they go, when the whole team is there and, and Iron Man has to get the uh, the Hulkbuster suit out. Um, you know, there's there's some... That is, that's a great cityscape example. Right? Yeah. Uh, I just, I can't remember the CG well enough in any of the other projects to specifically call out, like, is how does this CG work? I mean, I think this CG works fine. If anything, I think the the actual smash smash building pieces falling looks better and it's probably an easier thing to animate anyway than hulk who sometimes does look like the cg creature as he's jumping around you know yeah 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 and it's also challenging because these aliens are so not of this world like when you see bricks falling the bricks to me like the the brickwork and stuff it feels like there's an uncanny a physics uncanny valley at work here because it looks really good and the interaction of creature that looks kind of CG with the bricks is where your brain sort of breaks. It looks good, but it shouldn't, right? Like, there's something about it that shouldn't work, and yet, because it happens so quickly and it's fun and exuberant, I don't stop and think about it. But I, looking at it now, it does make me want to go back and watch things, like watching where hulk even professor hulk interacts with the real world like when he's lifting things or when he throws you know he or she hulk are throwing one another in in how they beat each other up have we have we gotten better over the last 10 years at showing this big green rage monster in action and i don't know that we i don't know that we necessarily have but uh, you know not looking at them side by side it's it's hard to gauge I love the Chitari on Chitari action. <laughs> when he's beating a Chitari with another Chitari is always a win. <laughs> so funny. it absolves a lot of other guilt, right? <laughs> of other misdeeds. Yeah, right. Absolutely. It's it is pretty funny. Although I, I think that he goes through so many steps to take out these two particular Chitari. It seems like he probably <laughs> if had he had more focus, he probably could have taken on more Chitari instead of just focusing on these two and like really smashing yes. just these two. No, that's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> I I do wonder about the the Chitari that gets tossed into the building like is that one still alive? Is he going to be now running around inside the building causing destruction and mayhem or is he just like lying there in broken misery? You know, exactly what's going on with that particular one. Yeah. Um, which actually leads me to that building. This is formerly the Pershing Square building, um, 26 floors on this building. Hulk tosses this Chitari into the 24th floor. We only see up to the 25th here. The 26th floor is only like, you know, right in the very center top of the building. Just to kind of get a sense as to who's, who's in the building, the major tenants of this building include Pandora Media, Blink Fitness, Canon Business Solutions, TD Bank, Newmark, Grub Knight, Frank, and Starbucks, of course. That's now. That's, That's today, now. Right? That is now. So I, I would imagine some of these tenants were still then, are uh, still in the building at that particular time. Who knows? Yeah. I did want to, uh, I was curious, the uh, the space of this building, 
Um, the entire 23rd floor is actually currently available to lease if you are in the market to lease an entire floor. It's 25,171 uh, retail square feet <laughs> is what's uh, available for that 23rd. Just so you know, the price of renting per square foot in that space, $53 per square foot. So just <laughs> the monthly rate <laughs> to rent this this floor, $1.3 million per month. Per month? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Your business really has to be booming to rent an entire floor in this building. Oh, Just, my goodness. Uh, so, you know, the I 20- was thinking that maybe the maybe True Story Studios should relocate there. I'm rethinking that all of a sudden. <laughs> well, we'll Do you take, think you and I could actually... A, can we get a 10-square-foot room? <laughs> right. I don't know that we could fill 21,000 square feet, but we'll try. I got toys and stuff. Yeah, right. The um, The 24th floor, actually, where he tosses the Chitari into, is currently leased to MGK Ventures LLC as of 2020. I don't know, know who had it back in 2012. But yeah, they actually do have the entire floor uh, as of 2020. So that is a company that is paying that much money. MGK right Ventures, probably a venture capital, right? Yeah. I do think it's interesting when Hulk leaps from here... Uh, from this building, I don't exactly know where he's aiming because it seems like if he were thinking, and again, we're kind of getting a sense that Hulk kind of is thinking, but when he jumps off this building, he doesn't, like, I would think that he's aiming for Stark Tower. That seems like, okay, you know, he's up smashing, he knows where the blue beam is, he's going to go for that. But he kind of goes left of that, and I don't know... It's one of those things. It's like, why isn't he just heading for Stark Tower to smash Chitari from the top? I don't know, but he's like leaping off to the left where there's no building. So I'm not exactly sure where where Hulk's going. You know, it's it's kind of a weird leap. His attention is like unregulated, right? His attention is on whatever's to smash next, and that is like it feels like core Hulk to me. And and at this point, like, maybe that's a good thing. So he takes an order from Captain America and then just smashes everything that he can possibly smash. Whatever's next, he'll smash it. And not thinking about, oh, I need to smash something specific. Maybe that's okay. Maybe we we let Hulk off the hook for that. Sure. It's just it is just weird that he's leaping up like he's trying to get to something high, but he's actually not aiming for anything high. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's, like, it's not the right high thing. Right. It's he's like he's going to jump that way. Oh, but the high thing's over to my right. I guess I'm just going right. to fall to the ground. <laughs> right. Oh, well. Yeah. Shucks. <laughs> Uh, of course, he does get hit by a passing chariot, which, of course, he uses the momentum from that hit to turn and then knock another one out of the sky. So, you know, I like that he's constantly rethinking his his plan, depending on what's in front of him and what's happening to him. Yeah. And it does feel like ping ponging around flying chariots for Hulk is kind of a good that's kind of a good strategy. Just jump back and forth and blow up chariots like I like that whole idea. Those chariots are dumb. Get them out of the sky. <laughs> Right. Well, it's definitely uh, it, it speaks to the Avengers ability to like hit these uh, chariots as needed, because certainly uh, that's, you know, Natasha will finally get to leave <laughs> the street below when she decides I- I'm going to the skies myself. Toss me up to that uh, chariot. And uh, again, they aim really well at these incredibly fast flying vehicles that are moving overhead. Yeah. 
Oh, very good. I'm actually at, at that point, I'm sort of surprised that Hulk didn't just pick up Black Widow and throw her at a at a uh, sled. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, we get uh, we cut from a roar of Hulk that kind of echoes through the sound. It's a little bit of our sound transition to Thor arriving at the top of the Chrysler building. Now, what's funny about this is he had just left, as we saw from in front of Grand Central Terminal, where everybody is. When we cut to this shot of him, it's a kind of a whip pan from him as he's kind of flying past some buildings up to the top of the Chrysler building. He's actually a block over. He's now on Lexington instead of Park because the building that is behind him is the, is the one that's on Lexington. It's just I think they were mm-hmm. trying to find a building that or a position where they could more more appropriately kind of do a whip pan to him at the top of the Chrysler building. Yeah. But it is one of those things where if you notice it, you realize like, what was he doing? Like, did he jump up and then come down and like have a coffee? And then now he's going to go over from Lexington. It's just one of those. I sort of feel like this is settled science for us though. Thor always takes a lap, always takes a lap. (laughs) doesn't matter where he's going. He always takes a lap and that's how he gets to the Chrysler building. He flew up, took a lap, got to the Chrysler building. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, what do you, okay, and uh, this is another opportunity for uh, Tig to use that documentary style shot where the camera whip hands and then kind of settles. We, it kind of has this wobble as we're settling at the top of the Chrysler building and then kind of crash zoom in on Thor as he lands up there at the top and calls the lightning. What do you think of the way he, uh, he uses the lightning here? I don't know. It's fine. I, the, the problem is the two shots that we get of him with the lightning. There's a shot that from, I guess, lightning POV looking down at him at a close up. And that shot doesn't look like it's in world. And then it turns around to hammer in hand shot calling the lightning and using hammer to call lightning. And that shot doesn't look in the world. So here, right, he lands on the Chrysler building. And I actually like the documentary sort of military doc style of whip pan to him landing on the thing. Then we go close up and it just doesn't look like it's in the same movie. And I I'm find that distracting. Once we get to the lightning coursing down the Chrysler building, I think that's pretty cool. Like, I, I really like that effect. I think the electrical effect looks good, but I'm taken out of it because Thor looks so dumb at close up uh, in these two shots. There is something uh, to that, and I agree. I'm not exactly sure what it is. Like, it looks more real, even though, like, when we have kind of that low, uh, you know, it's it still is a, a long shot where we see him, but he's standing on the top of that little yeah. landing there, the, ledge, the Art right. Deco ledge. Um, it looks like a set, but it still looks good enough for me to buy into. But something about those two close-ups always look a little, uh, a little artificial, like they just needed to throw something in there. Because then, <laughs> as like my local news weather person on location, like it looks like hyper real telenovela style. Like how many frames per second can we jam in here? How crisp can we make it? How can and it it is decidedly different from the rest of of the scene surrounding it. Yeah, I kind of wish that we had stuck with the shot, uh, you know, right around the 32nd mark in this minute of him standing or like right when he's he lands and he's standing there. And then we cut those two extreme like those close ups of him out and then just kind of continue that shot to the one that's about 35 seconds where it's that 
it's the boom shot that's kind of coming it's up over him tilting up yeah, yeah. as as 100%. the lightning hits him like those shots work well and then we get the shot below him as the as we kind of track with the lightning coming down chrysler building as all the windows are shattering and everything like those are some great beats throughout all of this it's just yeah there's something weirdly artificial about the close-ups where it just ends up feeling like we're on a cheap set yeah that's that's exactly it and now that I've seen, we just watched Ragnarok over the weekend again. And you know, when uh, Hopkins says, what, what are you, the god of hammers? I now can't unsee Thor standing on the top of the Chrysler building, th- raising his hammer in the air and calling a storm of hammers falling from the <laughs> sky and destroying Chrysler building. That makes me laugh like a child. It is pretty funny. The little lightning trick that he does, I, you know, it's it's one of those things I think that he kind of has to... Uh, do the Thundercats scream as he's doing it to, like, make the lightning go. But it, it always kind of makes me laugh. Because he probably didn't need to do that. It's just like a power move to, like, ah! Yeah. As, as yeah. he's tossing the lightning up to the uh, the portal. You know Hemsworth was a Grayskull fan. You know he wants to yell by the power <laughs> of Grayskull. I, no, I think he wants to say Thundercats ho. Thundercats ho, okay. I, right. I'm, 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 I'm totally in the Thundercats realm with him. I think, I think, he's, <laughs> I think he's there more than... Uh, uh, was it was it Adam Prince Adam? Yeah, is that that's that's who I think uh, you're right. He man is right. Yeah, yeah. As, as opposed I'm to, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure you're right. Yeah, and now I'm trying to remember the Thundercats character's name. Oh, uh, it was. Um, hold on, I'm looking. I'm looking. Uh, the Thundercats, Lion-O. Oh my God! Like the hot kiss at the end of a wet fist, it comes back to me, Andy. You say that word, and I'm ten years old. Bless. Eight. <laughs> Thundercats ho, baby. Thundercats ho. Yeah. Thundercats ho, baby. <laughs> I'm not my wife. <laughs> Does she play, what was it, Chira or something like that? <laughs> Chira? I don't remember now. Oh, don't. We're not going to, we're not going to litigate this, are we? You're doing it. No, You're no, looking no, it no. up. No, Chitara. You have your looking up face. There's Chitara and, oh. and Tigra are, are the, uh, the women in the Thundercats world. And then there's Chira in the, He-Man universe. He-Man universe. All the things that are important as we talk about. Tigra. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Okay. So uh, this is pretty much... Meanwhile, back at the tower. Yeah. So uh, the the lightning is enough to take out pretty much, it seems, every Chitari that's coming through, along with pushing these two Leviathan back up into their birthing canal. It's like, nope. Not time to be born yet. <laughs> back up in the birthing canal. <laughs> I just, we have to back up one more second, though. Oh. At 40, about 45, 46, we go back to that close-up, but now it's covered in lightning. And it goes from the extreme close-up to the medium close-up. Yeah. Still well, covered right in lightning when he does his hoe. Yep. Right on his Thundercats hoe. And we just, I, I feel like we need to talk about that compared to the other two, because it's essentially the same sort of shots. I actually don't mind these as much, even though the extreme close-up always looks weird. As soon as you cover him with lightning, it actually looks okay. That's because you're just not seeing how silly the shot looks otherwise. There's so much blue lightning blast no, on it's, the screen. Yeah. yeah, right. Hide it. Hide the stupidity behind lightning. Yeah. And once Works again, these, everything. Okay. These, these two Leviathan are just like, I only wanted to find a new friend. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> no. yeah. and now they're left in space, just kind of like burning to pieces. It's just, it's sad, but there is, the sad I mean, story of the Leviathan. <laughs> I think the Avett brothers have a song uh, that actually follows that. Look, I, I, Fleet Foxes. <laughs> right. The 
I, I think that the bigger question though is once like the, the things explode, there is a, an actual visceral explosion in the one sided space hole. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And where is the goo? Where are the pieces of armament? Something is on this side of the space hole. Or, or is it our contention that all of the goo and space, we- uh, space armaments of the Leviathan are now floating in space around the space side of the space hole? So now, as the Jatari continue flying through, they should all they be wiping be covered goo, in goo off of themselves. Yes, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although, yeah, that's interesting. Although, because on their side, it's in space. Now, again, don't we're not going to start on the logic of, you know, Things that breathe flying through space who don't actually need to breathe while they're in space, but that's beside right. the point. So sure we are. Regardless, we on, anyway, <laughs> in space, any of the goo from these Leviathan that explode would basically instantly freeze. So it's all chunks. So so as they kind of push, they're pushing through chunks of frozen Leviathan goo, is what's happening. Yeah. So they're not going to be covered in goo unless unless it comes through with them, and then they fly through it when it thaws. What should really be happening is chunks of goo should be falling from yes. the hole. Yes. But it does make you wonder how Raining quickly goo how quickly does frozen Leviathan goo thaw? Does it is it instant? Is it is it gonna take a few hours for that stuff I don't to think. thaw? No. I think it thaws like like other stuff thaws. Like if you take So it's I don't instantly know, take, freezing yeah, and then it's it, yeah, because of basically space. falling giant rocks from the sky. That's what I'm gonna I, I stand by that. So basically Eric should be getting pelted by giant chunks of frozen leviathan goo Mm -hmm. i think there is a very real case to be made that the giant chunks of giant chunks of leviathan goo and don't forget weaponry like armor yeah right 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 would fall down and destroy the space beam pew pew beam in the first place the entire stark tower should be going down the entire stark tower could be gone we have, uh, yeah. There you this go. Is, this is good litigation. Sorry, for this guys. Particular minute. Yeah. It, <laughs> sorry, we've ripped the movie to shreds. <laughs> the rest of the minutes are nothing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, we end this minute uh, cutting into the helicarrier to a screen of news that Fury is watching. We're not going to talk about that. We'll save that for tomorrow's minute, which we're talking with you and Graf. He's returning from the Quiet on Set podcast to talk with us. Should be great. So let's wrap it up today, Pete. Thanks as always. Tomorrow, Andy. Like the sands of the hourglass, so the space goo falls. (laughs) Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. <laughs>